Thank you for downloading the podcast. We believe the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Praise the Lord. How many have been enjoying our study of redemption? Amen. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 1 this morning. We studied the cross last week. How many recognize there's more to the cross than we think? Amen. Through the cross, the power of the devil was broken over your life. Through the cross, God gave us a death. In our study of redemption, we see that death in its relation to the human family does not mean the cessation of life. Death means separation. Spiritual death is separation from God. Physical death is separation from the body. And eternal death is that state which men enter into when they're not born again and they die physically. They end up going to hell, which is a place of eternal separation from God. But thank God when Jesus was upon the cross, the Bible says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his stripes we're healed. He assimilated and assumed all that was wrong with humanity. Then he died upon the cross and separated us from everything that was wrong with us because of our first birth. That which we were born into, which is the human family, has been eradicated and done away with by the death of the Lord Jesus on the cross so that we can live in a brand new family, in God's family. Amen. How many glad you're in God's family? And enjoy all the benefits thereof. The Bible says over in 1 John, For this reason was the Son of God manifest that he might destroy. Everybody say destroy. The works of the devil. That word in the Greek literally means to loosen and dissolve. Now we know in the study of the Gospels that after Jesus had died upon the cross, Joseph of Arimathea uh, went to Pontius Pilate. The Bible says he begged the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible said they took it down off of the cross, uh, prepared it such as they could, put it into the tomb, and there it stayed three days and three nights. Jesus himself said, as uh, Jonah was in the belly of the whale, three days and three nights, so must the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth. Now let me just say this right up front. This will help you. I know at Easter time, we celebrate Good Friday, then we celebrate Resurrection Sunday, and people say, well, the time really doesn't work out. Well, just because the church has a tradition, that doesn't mean that it's true according to the Word of God. In reality, Jesus went into the tomb late in the day on Wednesday and rose from the dead the first day of the week, Sunday morning. And he literally spent three days and three nights in the bowels of this earth. His death broke the power of the devil over us, but his burial, in his burial, he took and won an eternal victory for us. The Bible says he spoiled principalities and powers, made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Listen, the devil is defeated. Not only is he defeated as far as God is concerned, he's defeated as far as humanity is concerned. And I want you to know this is as much reality as you want to make it. The only power the devil has over you is the power you choose to give him. Let me say that again. Some of you need to hear it. Say, oh, the devil just been beating my brains out. The devil has attacked my finances. The devil has attacked my physical health. The devil's done this. The devil's done that. Listen, the only power the devil has over you is the power you give him. If he's been attacking you, you attack him back. If he's been coming against you, you come against him. The problem with a lot of Christians, why they don't operate in true spiritual authority, is they're always fighting a defensive battle. Not many amens on that one, is it? 
You say, what do you mean? You're always trying to recover something. No, no, press in and possess that which God has for us through the redemptive process. Go in, instead of just getting healed every time you get sick, go in and possess divine health. Instead of just praying and begging every time you have a financial need, go in and begin to walk in divine prosperity. Instead of just trying to come against the devil every time you get the blues, amen. No, you stand up and walk in the glory of God and let the joy of the Lord be your strength every day. Live a victorious, overcoming life. Stay on the offense. Keep the devil on the defense. I don't know. I'm not that big of a sports fan because I, I, I'm kind of more of a participant than I am a spectator. And so I notice when I go to those games, they don't let me play, so I don't go anymore. Amen? So uh, I've noticed, though, in the little bit of sports that I have watched, whether it be basketball, uh, baseball, uh, football, uh, boxing, uh, uh, any other sport you can come up with, if you got an opponent... And you keep him on the defensive, you pretty much you pretty much whip him. You'll pretty much beat him. You take a boxer that backs up all the time and is always fighting a defensive fight, he's pretty much on his way out. You take a football team that's always fighting a defensive battle, they say if you can keep the other team's defense on the field and your offense on the field, you'll beat them every time. God does not want you fighting a defensive battle with your faith all the time. He wants you going in and doing what? Possessing all that God has for you. In Christ. I said this last week, it bears saying this week. The promised land in the Old Covenant, remember the Old Testament was written for us, the New Testament is written to us. You got it? Old Testament written for us, New Testament written to us. The Old Testament, children of Israel going in and possessing the promised land is not a type of the believer going to heaven. You say, why do you say that? Because many Christian denominations teach that possessing the promised land is a type of the believer barely getting by on earth, struggling against sickness and disease, overcoming this and that, up one day, down the next, and then when you die, you barely come scraping and crawling into heaven. Well, that's not what it's a type of at all. The children of Israel possessing the promised land is a type of the believer possessing all of the promises that God has given us in Christ while he's on the earth. Now let me just make this statement we'll go on and teach on the resurrection. What good does it do to have a doctrine of healing in the word of God when it's, it's only when we get to heaven we get healed? What good does it do to have a doctrine of prosperity in the Bible when it's only when we get to heaven that we prosper? You understand what I'm saying? No, we need it down here in what, uh, what I like to call the nasty now and now. Where sickness and disease is, that's where we need healing. Where poverty and lack is, that's where we need prosperity. Where depression and, and things overwhelm and try to overcome you, that's where we need the joy of the Lord. Listen, you won't need any of that when you get to heaven because none of that junk's in heaven. Amen? There's no sickness. There's no poverty. There's no depression. There's no lack. There's no death. We need all of that in heaven. It's, um, excuse me, down here on earth itself. All that stuff is not even in heaven. So we know by the studying of the Gospels, his body was taken down. Begged by Joseph of Arimathea, put him in a, uh, the ladies prepared his body, put him, in a, put him in a tomb, and because of the fear of the Jewish Sanhedrin, those were the Levites, the ones that were head of the temple, they petitioned the Roman government 
to set a, a I guess, a, 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 a good term for us today, a squad of soldiers, a group of soldiers, to set them at the tomb for three days and three nights. Not only that, but to take and put a seal. Everybody say a seal. Which they actually did is they, they took a, 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 some wax in a, in a container and heated it up and poured it on that rock, that stone that they had rolled over the tomb. And as that, as that wax began to pool up, they took a seal and placed that seal. And that literally was saying to anybody, if you break this seal, you're going to have to deal with the entire nation of Rome. Do not break this seal. Do not break this seal. But I got good news. On the third day, amen, early in the morning, on the first day of the week, the stone was rolled away, the seal was broken, and all those soldiers got slain in the spirit were laying on their back looking up at the stars. And Jesus came out of the tomb victorious over death, hell, the grave, Satan, and victorious over anything else that's wrong with us because of our first birth. And he secured for us the new birth so that now it was possible for men and women to be born again. Amen? Now, did you find Ephesians chapter 1? Let's begin there in the powerful prayer that Paul gives us. You should be praying this prayer over yourself every day. I know I pray it. If I don't pray it every day, I do it every other day. But I've prayed it over myself thousands of times over the years. Verse 15 says, Ephesians chapter 1, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, make and mention for you in my prayers, that the God of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom, revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Now notice verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power? You see that? What is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe? Any uswards who believe here this morning? Any uswards who believe here this morning? According to usward who believe, according to the working of his mighty power. Now notice this. Which he wrought, now good, another, another good uh, a word for the word wrought, which he demonstrated in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. I like this. Far above. Oh, you missed a good opportunity to shout. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet, and given him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, that filleth it all in all. Now see, we read that kind of stuff, and we think, well, that sounds good. You know, it all sounds real good. all sounds spiritual. It sounds spiritual to me. It sounds good to me. But you know, in reality, Pastor, I, I, I need... I need $126.15 to pay my light bill. Uh, I've got a flat tire on my car. I need a new tire. And my washing machine's acting up. And probably next month, I'm going to have to buy a new washing machine. So, I, you know, it's really nice. And I, I really think those are some good scriptures. But can't you preach something that can help me with my current problem? That's the way we do many times. Selling ourselves short 
in not realizing that there are greater issues to life than a $126.15 light bill, because your light bill is going to come up every month. You're going to have a flat tire every other month. You're going to have a problem with the washing machine here and there. There's always going to be problems raising up. But if you will begin to press into the reality of these redemptive truths, it will elevate you to a level in which you will realize all these other problems of life aren't that really big a deal. God has already made great provision for me. All i got to do is learn how to tap into it, because I know who I am in Christ, what he has done for me, and what I have. So my life is just appropriating that. That's what I do in life. I appropriate that's what God's provided for me in Christ. But now notice it again. Let's look at it just a minute. What is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who do believe according to the working of his mighty power? Now I love this. I mean I used to read across it just like everybody else not thinking much of it. Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. Now notice. We read the Gospels. Now, don't get me wrong. I've emphasized this all during this teaching of redemption. Don't get me wrong. I love the Gospels. Y'all know me that come to the church here. We preach out of the Gospels all the time. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John show us Jesus. It is God speaking to us, as it says in Hebrews chapter 1. God in sundry times and diverse manners, spaken to the prophets uh, in times, spaken to the fathers in times past by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is God speaking to us. Are you with me? So we've seen power demonstrated. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We saw a woman with the issue of blood get healed. We saw ten lepers healed. We saw a woman from Nain get her son raised from the dead. We saw great provision. Two different times Jesus fed thousands of people with just a little bit of provision. Uh, We saw him walk on the water. We saw him calm the seas. We saw all kinds of signs, wonders, and miracles. But God wants you to know those may be demonstrations of the power of God. But they are not the demonstration of the power of God toward usward who believe. God wants you to know, yeah, that's, that's a demonstration of power. Yeah, that woman being healed, that's a demonstration of power. Yeah, yeah, that's a demonstration of power. Those lepers being healed, yeah, yeah, yeah. Blind Bartimaeus being healed, yeah, that's a demonstration of God's power. But the demonstration of power, the demonstration of power, the demonstration of my power is the day that I raised my son Jesus from the dead, I wanted to demonstrate to you, usward who believe, how powerful I am. You say, what do you mean? There's Jesus. He's suffering in hell. He's down in the bowels of this earth. He's got all the sin. He's got all the iniquity. He's got all of the depression. He's got all of the sickness. He's got all of the disease. He's got all of the addictions. He's got all of the hate. He's got got everything wrong with the human family. He's got it weighted down upon him. He's got hell in high carnival celebrating that they've got the Son of God down in the bowels of the earth. Then all of a sudden, the Spirit of God comes into the region of the dam because the living had a problem with death, but Jesus was more than living, he was life itself. And the Bible says if the princes of this world would have known, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. They, they brought a ticking time bomb into hell. It had a three-day timer on it. Three days and three nights. Tick, tick, tick. Tick, tick, till that timer went off 
and down in hell was a righteous explosion of God's power. And with all the weight of the world upon him, all the sin, all of the iniquity, all the sickness, all the disease, everything wrong with the human family, God did what? God raised Jesus from the place of eternal separation from God. Oh, you missed a good opportunity to shout. Well, I don't believe Jesus went to hell. Then you'll have to go. Because redemption was the taking from us of everything we deserve so that he might give to us everything he wants us to have. So God says, let me show you the demonstration of my power. It's a whole lot more than a woman getting healed. It's a whole lot more than a blind man getting healed. It's a whole lot more than one person being raised from the dead. It's a whole lot more than a few fish and a few loaves of bread feeding thousands of people. It's a whole lot more than that. And I want my son being raised from the dead to be a demonstration of my power toward every person that will believe in me. So you think he's got enough power to, to get my light bill paid? More than enough. You think he's got enough power to help my tire get fixed? More than enough. You think he's got enough power uh, to help me get through life? More than enough. Have you ever heard of the Manhattan Project? Anybody ever study history, you heard of the Manhattan Project? It was the project that they had, I believe, uh, from about 1941, 42, up until 1945, when they dropped the atom bomb on, uh, on uh, what was it, Nagasaki and Hiroshima in Japan, the project that developed that was called the Manhattan Project. So before they ever, they ever dropped an atom, bo- atom bomb in a warlike setting, they set one off in the New Mexican desert in New Mexico. Now, if you'll read the book, the book, I think there's a movie out, but the book is a little more, uh, how can I say, the book is a little more uh, expletive of what actually people were thinking when they did that. Because there was great concern. They did not know that they might start a process that would cause the entire world to be destroyed. Sometimes, some scientists said, well, nothing will happen. Other scientists said, well, this will start a process that will cause the entire world to be destroyed. Others said, well, it'll just be a big explosion. This They were not sure of what would happen. So they took a thousand foot stainless steel tower and they set that atom bomb on top of it and they backed away 5 miles, 10 miles and 15 miles 5 miles was the first observation point, 10 miles the second observation point, 15 miles the third observation point then they set that thing off and when they set that thing off it went off, it literally the explosion itself registered on seismic uh, seismic equipment in Denver, Colorado. One bomb. One bomb. Now, they went out and they looked. All types of uh, uh, explanations were given of what exactly happened. People wrote uh, things that were very poetic. One guy said, I believe we've touched the face of God. All kinds of stuff was written. But one thing that was written by an engineer was very interesting. He went out and began to investigate the area in which the steel tower was. And it was gone. They couldn't find the steel tower. It was gone. And for a solid square mile around where the steel tower was, the sand of that New Mexico desert had turned into glass. It turned it into glass. Now this is what he wrote of the steel tower. All that I can surmise 
of the steel that held the bomb was it was melted to a liquid and boiled to a vapor. Let me read that again. I like that. It was melted to a liquid and boiled to a vapor. We used to travel. When we used to travel, we'd always take big suitcase, and we'd either ship them before we got there, uh, uh, lots of uh, uh, cassette tapes. And one of our best-selling cassette tape series was one called God's Atom Bomb. You say, what do you mean God's Atom Bomb? That's what Jesus was. He was God's, not (laughs) A-T-O-M. He was God's A-D-A-M bomb. You say, why? Because we were bound, quote, to a steel tower that was our sin, that was our iniquity, our sickness, our disease, everything wrong with us through Adam's sin until Jesus, what, was raised from the dead by the power of Almighty God. And I want you to know every steel tower that binds us has been boiled to a liquid. How does it say? I I like that again. It has been Melted to a liquid and boiled to a vapor. That means it's gone. You say, well, I'm bound by this sickness. No, no, you're not. I'm bound by this drug addiction. No, you're not. I'm bound by this mindset. No, you're not. It has been melted to a liquid and boiled to a vapor. You just had not got the report yet. And once you begin to get the report that Jesus being raised from the dead was God's demonstration of power toward you, you begin to realize there ain't nothing I can face in life. Not even death itself. Now hold your finger there. How's my time? Oh, good. I got 10 minutes. Hold your finger there. Go just a few pages back to 1 Corinthians 15. Now let me just exhort you a second, you that really like to do Bible studies. That, that's your chapter. 1 Corinthians 15, if you want to study the resurrection of the dead in its completeness and in its fullness, study 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm just going to hit a couple of the high points there. The Apostle Paul speaking to us says in verse 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It says, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins. I love this. How that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was born by the Word. He lived by the word. He demonstrated God's love by the word. He died by the word. He went into hell by the word. He was resurrected by the word. And he sits by the right hand of fa- by the Father as the word of God for us today. Are you with me? It says, and that he was buried. And that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And I like this. And he was seen of Cephas, that's Peter, then of the twelve. After that he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are falling asleep. After that, he was seen of James, then of the apostles, and last of all, he was seen of me also, as one born out of due time. Now, Paul is giving, literally, evidence of the resurrection. Physical evidence. Peter saw him. John saw him. James saw him. 500 saw him. Are you with me? 500 were witnesses to his resurrection. Then he says this, I also saw him. But we know Paul saw him in a vision. They literally saw him. They literally saw him. He walked through the wall at one time, told Thomas, who was doubting, handle me. Put your fingers in my holes in my hand. Put your hand in my side. See that I'm alive and risen. Be not doubtful, but believe. 
lot of people, that's all they've got is Thomas's faith. They've got to see it to believe it. Listen, if you've got to see it to believe it, you'll never receive anything from God. God wants you to believe it so you can see it. Then he goes on and writes, but now, notice what he says in verse 20. It says, but now is Christ risen from the dead. I like this. And become the first fruits of them that slept. Now notice the word slept. That's not sleep, that's slept. That's past tense. That means, Hebrews 11, all these that what? Died in faith, not having yet received the promise of salvation. When, they, when Jesus rose from the dead, they got their promise. I said, they got their promise. You say, now do you believe, Pastor, that they were raised from the dead just spiritually? Or do you think they bodily were raised from the dead? Well, let me just say this. The Bible says out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So we cannot establish doctrine that tells us they were bodily raised from the dead. But I'll tell you one thing. The Bible says when Jesus came out of the tomb and rose from the dead that the graves of the saints opened up and they were walking around Jerusalem. Have you ever read that in your Bible? People weren't seeing spirit beings. They were seeing bodies of the saints walking around Jerusalem. Now, my own personal belief is that they did. I don't preach that in doctrine, but I believe the fulfillment of what they believed God for happened for them and God closed the book on that old covenant. It was not done away with. It was completed and fulfilled. But now here we are. Notice what it says. He became the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Mm-mm-mm. One more. Well, let me read. There's so much in this chapter. I need to just come preach the whole thing. Look in verse 45. It says, and so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit that which was first, which is spirit, howbeit that was not first, which is spiritual, but that which is natural. And afterward, that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthly. The second man is the Lord from heaven. And as is the earthly, such are they that are earthly. As is the heavenly, such are they also that is heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthly, we shall, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Mm-mm-mm. Now, okay, I'll read it. All right, I'll do it, Lord. Verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed, the word metamorphos. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the last trump, for the trump of the Lord shall sound and the dead shall be raised, incorruptible. We shall be changed. Now notice this. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, the mortal must put on immortality. And so this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, the mortal shall put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, 
For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Now, he's literally saying this. He says, now listen. You're down here. You're stuck in this body. It's still subject to the fall. But you've got to understand, when you got born again, and when the Holy Ghost came to abide on the inside of you, and when you were baptized in the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues, you received the earnest money contract of your redemption, which means you got a little piece of heaven to go to heaven in. It can empower you to live as an overcomer. You can stand against sickness. You can stand against disease. You can stand against poverty and lack. You can receive from God. But there is one problem, death. But don't fear it. Don't be afraid. To die is to fall asleep in Christ. The physical body goes into the grave as a seed. Did you know you're walking around in a seed right now? Go study the chapter. As a what? As a seed. What is a seed? Something with life on the inside, a shell on the outside. What does, what does it re re reproduce as? After its own kind or what is on the outside. Corn, corn. Rice, rice. Wheat, wheat. Human, human. Are you with me? But some of us, the Bible says, will not sleep. We will be changed in a moment. The Bible says in the twinkling of an eye, that's the word, an atomic second. Faster than you can snap your fingers. Faster than you can blink your eyes. Your mortality will put on immortality. Your corruption will put on incorruption. Your physical body will go from being death doomed to being eternal. You say why? So you can live in the presence of Almighty God and worship Him and glorify Him and then what are you going to do? Sown as a seed, you're going to be raised as a fruit producer. The millennium, the, the thousand year millennium reign, you don't want to, that's why you want to serve God now because the thousand year millennium reign, you're going to be flowing in the things of God, the power, the anointing, the Holy Ghost is going to be turned up to its fullness in those who have done what? Received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior in this dispensation, lived in faith, serving God, believing, knowing they will see. Now, we don't want to get too far into that. Back to Ephesians real quick. What is the exceeding greatness of His power? Toward us were to believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought or demonstrated in Christ when he raised him from the dead, set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all, principality, power, might, dominion, every name that is named, not only in this world to come, but in that which is but in that, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet, gave him to be the head over uh, the church, gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth it all in all. But now notice chapter two. All of this that was just said about Jesus. You see that? Would you agree? That's pretty powerful revelation. Talking about Jesus. Talking about Jesus. Everybody, oh, thank Jesus. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Look at Jesus. He's, he's high. He lifted up. He's far above all principles. But now notice the next chapter. It starts with the word and, which is a, anybody know? Remember your English? Basic English. And is a conjunction which connects what was just said to a noun or pronoun. So you've got and, and then you have, see, that, that's, that's, why you're around, that's why you're walking around worrying about your $126.15 light bill. That's why you're walking around worrying about what the doctor said, what's going to happen to the economy, the price of gas, you're worrying about all that stuff, because you have not let that one little and work for you. You've got to let that and go to work for you. Because God, all this stuff about Jesus, all this stuff about Jesus, all this stuff about Jesus, then God puts an and in there and puts you on the other side of the and. 
which connects you to everything just said about him. Okay, stay with me just a second. Where in times past, you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the spirit of the earth, Prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom we also all had our conversation, our lifestyle, and times past, and the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as others. But God, everybody say, but God, who is rich in his mercy for his great love when we loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace are you saved, and hath raised us up together. And made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Nobody shouting? Nobody running around the church? Still worrying about your $126 light bill, aren't you? No, the Bible says God is rich in his mercy for his great love where he loves. Even when we were what? Dead in sins in, in our human condition. Hath. Past tense. I mean, he's already done it. Quickened. Made alive. Us. Everybody say us. Us. Now notice. Together with. Anybody know what that is? A prepositional phrase. Us on one side, together with what's on the other side? Us on one side, together with what's on the other side? Us on one side, together with what's on the other side? Somebody going to get this. It's going to change your life. Us together, with, us, together with Christ. By grace are you saved. And hath, past tense, raised. Here it is up again. Us, up together prepositional phrase and conjunction made us sit together prepositional phrase in heavenly places in Christ Jesus double prepositional phrase put together by a conjunction showing us that what Jesus has obtained through his resurrection in his position is the same thing God has given to you See, the devil wants, me, wants you to think you're nobody. You're nothing. You're this, you're that. Now, let me close with this. I may like nice cars. I like nice cars. So you get all inspired as a church. Now, don't do this because I don't receive cars. But I'm just going to give you an illustration. You get all inspired as a church. Go and buy Brother Rusty a car. Buying the best one we can find. So you go out and find a car that costs $250,000. What a Ferrari or a whatever. So you, at great cost, as an individual, at great cost, you put your money in the offering. So here comes a Sunday morning. The car's been purchased. It's been paid for by cash. It sits out in the parking lot with a big bow on it. So right before I get up to preach, Brother Allen and some of the elders of the church, they come up and they got, they got documentation. They got, they got paper. Everybody say paper. In that documentation is a title deed. Everybody say title deed. Transferring the ownership of the particular vehicle that has been purchased at great cost. Everybody say great cost. At great cost to me. Dealership's name transferred to me. There is a title deed. There is a certificate of title. It has my name on it. It means belongs to me. So everybody rejoices. We praise God. I preach. Everybody is on their way home. So on your way home... You're driving back this way toward where I live. And instead of seeing me driving in my $250,000 brand new car, you see me hitchhiking. 
I'm standing out here by the bank trying to catch a ride to my house. Now, you pull over and you say, Pastor, is anything wrong? Did, you, did it not start? Did you have a problem? We'll get the mechanic out here. Because at great cost, at great cost, we purchased you this car. So I make a real spiritual statement to you like this. Well, brother, well, sister, I know you've really purchased for me a nice vehicle to run around town in. But whether I, I'm ever to drive it or not, I'm going to leave that up to the sovereignty of God. In the meantime, I'll hitchhike. Now, I want you to know God has purchased for you. Through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Something that cost a whole lot more than $250,000. And God does not like it when he sees his kids on the highway of life doing this. And God drives up and says, hey, didn't you get the title deed? Don't you have the title deed to your healing? Don't you have the title deed to your salvation? Your Didn't you get the title deed? Didn't you get what I tell you? Didn't you hear what I told you? I've given you a vehicle that will run throughout the ages. I fueled it with the Holy Ghost. I built it out of the Word. Why are you still hitchhiking in life down on the earth? Get in that redemptive vehicle and go. Listen, you give me a $250,000 car, I'm going to get 10 tickets between here and Dallas. I'm going to air that thing out. I'm going to see how fast it goes. I'm going to enjoy every benefit. I'm going to turn the radio up. I'm going to roll the windows up, down. I'm going to do everything that thing will do. I'm going to enjoy the full benefit of the package. I'm not going to hitchhike home. The same thing is true of us as believers. God does not like it when we hitchhike through life, leaving it up to, well, whether or not I get healed or not, whether or not I'm going to leave that up to the sovereignty of God. That's just lazy. No, God, one, one translation of, uh, of Hebrews 11, one says, now faith is the title deed. You've got the title deed to your healing, the title deed to your prosperity, to your joy, to your peace, to your calling, to your destiny, that everything God has provided for us in Christ, he has secured it for us through his death and burial, and then he's made the deposit for it. Ooh, let me close. I got, I'll do this in one minute. The death of Jesus on his cross broke the power of Adam's fall over our life. His burial is our victory, but his resurrection is his deposit into the bank of eternity. Everything we'll ever need throughout all eternity. And that doesn't begin when we get to heaven. It begins when we get born again. And faith teaches you how to do what? Draw on the account. Draw on the account. Draw on the account. Pastor, I feel like the devil's attacking my body with sickness. And Draw on the account. I tell you, he's attacking my, 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 my finances. Draw on the account. Draw on the account. It belongs to you. God purchased it. He don't want you hitchhiking through life. He wants you blessed everywhere you go. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Lift your hands up and worship God. Father, we bless your name this morning. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your blessing. Thank you for the, what the resurrection means to us. The power demonstrated toward us who believe. According to the working of your mighty power. You did it for us, Lord. You raised us with him. You seated us in heavenly places with him. We are not anything less than that. Because of that, we are more than a conqueror. We are more than a conqueror. In Christ Jesus. We thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Real quick. Real quick. Real quick. Let's make sure everybody's right with God. You say, Pastor, I'm not living. Thank you for joining us today. We trust you enjoyed the podcast. We extend an invitation to you. Come join us in one of our services. Sunday morning, 1045. Tuesday prayer, 730. Thursday evening, midweek service, 730. We are located 2411 
69th Street, Galveston, Texas. See you there.